0: Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Sun Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. You guys having a good Thursday, though? You guys ready to jump in? awesome. I am. I hope you guys are, because uh, we're going to do it. We're going to go uh, jump in right in. Uh, but it is the best night of the week. Uh, it is a Thursday, and we get to jump into uh, week two uh, of our series on, on the Book of Acts. And uh, and I'm really excited, one, just because it's Thursday. And it's not only the best night of the week, but it's also, I really believe God has something special and unique uh, for each of you uh, tonight. And I just wanted to catch up a little bit. Maybe you, uh, man, this tonight's your first night, or you didn't get a chance to go over what we went over Last week, or maybe you uh, were on the road and you get, didn't get a chance listening listen to the podcast, uh, we, we got a chance to just dive into a new series called Church on Fire. And uh, this whole series, we're just going to be diving into the book of Acts. And uh, we're going over what does it mean to be a ministry that is sold out for the gospel? What does, it mean, what does it mean to be a ministry that is so sold out to the church of how God designed it? And you see in Scripture that God is known as this all-consuming fire, and therefore we represent God or we don't represent Him. At all, and so, uh, like I said last week like, hey hey i 'm going to use this series i 'm going to kind of talk to you like we 're the home team in the locker room, so there 's some things that might feel like it 's packing more of a punch or it might be things that we go over that might uh, hey we 're just going to go a little bit deeper, a little bit more cutthroat with some of this thi- with some of the things, uh, because hey, we just really believe in what God is inviting not only our church but this ministry. Into and last week we went over the, the, the difference between uh, uh, Kirche and Ecclesia. If you remember that uh, Kirche was this uh, German word which was known as as the church, but it meant something like a location. It didn't mean it didn't mean people. It didn't mean a gathering. Kirche meant uh, literally a, a location, and that's how over time it got translated to be. And then Ecclesia was known as the church, which comes from you see this inside scripture. Okay, this is the way of, and it's written in, in Greek, it's ekklesia, and it's known as the church, which doesn't mean a location, it doesn't mean a building, it doesn't mean just a, 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 a spot where you just get to go to, but the ekklesia meant that you are, you are the church. So the church is composed of, of people, and this is where we get to pick up uh, in this week, knowing, hey, last week we went over the difference between the two, and we go over, hey, let's come back to our, our why as a church, Let's come back to, hey, what does it mean to stay devoted to the church? And now we're going to be picking up again later on in, in Acts 3 and Acts 4. And to kind of give context, we went last week in Acts 1 and Acts, Acts 2 that, hey, in Acts 1, you get to see them uh, really Jesus commission now those followers, and now you see in Acts 2, the Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit d- uh, descends upon them. And then in Acts 3, you get to see Peter who uh, heals a lame beggar, which kind of sets up everything about what we're about to go over tonight. And you get to look at the life of Peter and who he is and how he healed the lame beggar. And now it just strikes this controversy, and now picks up what we're going to be going over in Acts 4 today. And so if you got a Bible, hey, we're jumping in. Y'all ready? Y'all, y'all, y'all picking up? You guys ready to dump, jump in? Yeah, all right, well, let's put on your spiritual seatbelt because we're, we're just going to go for it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to jump right in. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. I want you to uh, take notes throughout the night. I want you to, hey, go, go read through this, and I want you to engage the Word of God as we have it up uh, on the screen. Maybe if that's for you, a you version on your phone, or if you've got a physical Bible with you. Hey, we're just going to kind of jump right into this. Uh, and seeing in Acts 4, this is right after uh, Peter heals a lame beggar. Now there's, now there's this controversy. So now this is really the church is beginning to form. So that the church in Acts so it means to be a church on fire. Now there's like this there's this movement of what it means to be the church, and it picks up in Acts four verses one and two. It says that the priests of the of the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So this is right after Peter had healed someone who was a lame beggar. And there's kind of two problems that the Sadducees have with this. Well, the first is like, man, they didn't like Jesus at all. They, they didn't like Jesus at all. They couldn't stand him. They, didn't, they, they couldn't stand what, what really followers of Jesus at that point in time, the early church, what they were really proclaiming of, hey, Jesus came to, to die for our sins, and they really believed in the resurrection. And they didn't, they didn't believe that whole concept because they viewed Jesus as a threat to their power which is why they killed him in the first place. And second, as a group, they this they rejected the whole concept of what they actually believed in. And then it goes on in, in, inside this passage, and you get to see then Peter, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with what? Oh, I can't hear you. Filled with what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked... How he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let's just pause here for a second. But basically going on to say, like, is, is it really a big deal that I went and healed somebody? <laughs> Let's just remove the whole concept of, like, I know that you probably don't grasp a hold of this whole Jesus thing. Like, even the fact that he's healed is just a good deed inside of itself. If you could just grasp a hold of that, that one little concept. But he goes on to say it's, it's really because of, of Jesus, It's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. That's very comforting words. (laughs) He's just having a cutthroat message, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I just kind of read this passage and you kind of sit inside the book of Acts. If you just kind of camp out there for a little bit, you'll see this kind of like confidence that Peter has. Like there's some things he says, and you're like, dang, bro, like chill. Like there's there's, there's some things that like he gets up and he has like this, this boldness that he has. It's the boldness that's inside of him. Because he really deeply believes that, hey, this is what Jesus came to do. This is what I really believe at such a deep conviction at the core. This is who Jesus, this is what he came to do, but this is who he is. And now he lives out of it. He has, he has this boldness inside of them. Let, let me say it this way. How, how many of you guys are Marvel fans in the room? You guys, uh, uh, oh, we got a lot of Marvel. Okay, okay, I see you. How many DC fans we got in the room? Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got one mighty fan of DC. Uh, I want to know, like, hey, what? what is your favorite uh, superhero? I want to know. Like, uh, I just, okay, yeah, favorite superhero and why? <laughs> Uh-oh. We're getting controversy already. You're only really in number one. Okay. Captain America, why? Why is Captain America your favorite superhero? Yeah. <laughs> You're just fangirling. Like, you know, like, I don't even like him. He just looks cute. Like, I. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Favorite superhero and why? Spider Man, why? That man is awesome. That's, that's it. Okay. <laughs> no explanation either. Yeah, Favorite superhero and why? Oh, specifically, which Spider Man? Tom. The new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally don't know his last name. Okay. The new one. Okay, another one, another one. Yeah, all the way in the back, champ. <laughs> come on let's get <laughs> who's your favorite all of them all of them <laughs> they're all my favorite uh for me it'd be it'd be man it's it's spider-man for sure and then black panther like the man they th- those are my those are my two top favorite superheroes i know you're asking why why uh, thank you, Justin, for repeating the same question that I asked. Uh, man, why? Because I just—I mean, I love Spider-Man's story and who he is, uh, and how he got bit by. He was—he was a nobody, guys. Like, go all the way back. He was this kind of nobody in school. Gets bit by a spider. Uh, how many as a kid you got bit by a spider? And then you're like, I don't know. I wonder, like, does it work? Like. <laughs> Uh, you start like perching up in the shower. You ever seen the TikTok videos? Get back by and like catch something. They're like, oh, now we gotta try it. Uh, you know, you start to wonder, like, man, does it actually work? In uh, Black Panther, cause I'm like, he, he's not only a superhero, but he has the, the best intentions for the position of power that he's at. That doesn't. Okay, moving on, moving on. We're not. We're not talk about superheroes, but I, I think that you, my man, I have. This is my favorite superhero because of like, man, it's the boldness that they have. Like, you watch the movie and like they, 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 they never, they never lose. They never lose in the end. They're always always victorious. They have just such this boldness about who they are as a character. And when you watch it, you're so comfortable because you're like, dude, I know even in the climax of the story, it feels like they're going to lose, but I know in the end, they're not going to lose. And they have this boldness about them. See, tonight, we're just going over the question, okay? i want you to write this down. How do I become bold? How do I become bold? Have you ever asked yourself this question? Like, how how do I actually become bold in, in what I believe? See, you as a follower of Jesus, you might just constantly live in fear about what other people think. Maybe you live in fear about sharing Jesus to other people because you don't want to get to be perceived as someone who's weird. Maybe you, get, you live in fear for standing up for biblical convictions in an environment where biblical values and decisions aren't necessarily demonstrated. Maybe you live in a workplace where they don't have the same values as you, and so now you ask the question, well, how, do we, how do I be bold about what I believe? You might live in fear about how others perceive you now that you know Jesus. Man, what do my friends think? What does my family think? What does my coworkers think? Maybe they just view me as this follower of Jesus, and like, they're just the uptight religious, and they're just the little goody two-shoe, and I wonder if everybody thinks about me, who, who I am as a follower of Jesus. And when we live in fear about sharing who Jesus is, sometimes we overcompensate with force. When we live in fear about who Jesus is, sometimes we overcompensate with force. Because the pressure in us of feeling like, I I, I want to be bold, but I don't know how. It usually causes us to act out of fear or act out of force. See, when when you're fearful, you're timid and you're shy, you hold back. You don't speak up. You don't speak out. You don't share your faith because you're too afraid. You, you just kind of have this fear of like, what, what do people think about me? How am I going to get perceived? And then the other side of the spectrum is maybe now it's just too forceful. And now you're too aggressive. It's too pushy. There's too much pressure because you feel like the pressure in you about, well, I want to be bold, but I don't know how. See, Jesus doesn't call you to be fearful. He doesn't call you to be forceful, but he does call you to be bold. He does call you to be bold. And when I say bold, I, really, I don't mean forceful. It's, not, it's a question I get all the time. Well, I want to share others about Jesus, but I don't want to force it. Well, you don't have to. God never forced it on you. It was by God's kindness that led to repentance. And therefore, it's by our kindness that's demonstrated to other people that maybe would be a step for them to come to know who Jesus is. He is kind. He doesn't force it, and therefore, neither do we. And when I say bold, I don't mean this fearless kind of self-help mentality. I don't mean the, you know, just, you know, buckle up, do it yourself, be confident in who you are, you do you, boo. Uh, you know, wear the T-shirts, follow the TikTok fads, and you're like, follow me, take cold showers, wake up at four, go to the gym, and you're like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You guys seen them. Like, <laughs> don't, don't, you, you swipe them through it, and you're like, maybe I should. Like, I should. I should follow you. You I'm getting up at four. This is not the boldness that I'm talking. I'm not talking about the boldness that you try to put in yourself. I'm talking about the boldness of actually that's just really at the end of the day, it is found in who Jesus is. Let me just go on with this in scripture. Verse 23, I'm gonna read this long segment of scripture, and then we're gonna take time to unpack this passage. So in verse 23, it says, On their release, so this is after the, the, the Sanhedrin confronted them, and Peter and John were, were, were basically arrested and, and, and put in jail. Now on their release, Peter and John. After being now out, and and they went back to their own people and reported that all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. A deed, Herod and, and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided before should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great what? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What was the first thing that they did when they felt like they were in danger? When they felt like they were in fear, they prayed. Come on, you can talk back. Let's go. I like it. When they were in danger, when they felt like they were in fear, the first thing that they did was pray. But it's easy to say and hard to do, right? When you feel like you're living in fear, when you feel like there's a lot of pain in your life, when you feel like there's a lot of confusion, when you feel like, man, it's hard, it's easy to say, but it's really hard to do. It's not easy to make prayer the first thing when you feel like you're in the middle of a mental breakdown. It's not easy to make prayer the first thing when you're at the end of your rope. See, if I was around at that at that time, my response would have been like, all right, dude, new rule. Peter and John, you got to stop being together. Like, when you guys are out together, you guys are, like, telling everybody they suck and stuff. And, like, man, I can't. We can't have you doing that. Like, you got to stop going around and, you know, being getting put in prison. And, like, let's just huddle up in our little house, like. You know, don't don't go around causing a bunch of, of chaos and this whole, you know, you're the one who crucified Jesus thing really isn't working. Like you need to chill out. Like this may be how it would have been my response. And their response first was like, hey, I want to pray. And what they pray for is boldness. They asked for more boldness. And it's like the boldness is like it's the thing that kind of got them there in the first place. And when they faced more pressure, more persecution, more pain and more confusion, what's the one thing they asked for in prayer? They asked for what? Boldness. They ask for boldness. See, when we live in fear, when we live in pain, typically we like to pray for protection. We like to pray for maybe deliverance from the pain or immediate deliverance from danger. Maybe we ask God to remove us from what causes fear. I'm sure that in that moment, that's what they would have wanted to pray to. I'm sure that in that moment, they felt all the weight on them, all the pressure on them. They felt all the, all the world just weight of like, you know what? There's a lot of things that are going against what you're trying to do. And I'm sure that would have been easy to, you know what? I, I want to start praying that way. But before they prayed for a positive outcome around them, they prayed for a faithful spirit within them. Before they prayed for a positive outcome around them, they prayed for a faithful spirit within them. That they would be bold for the gospel, regardless of the outcome. So, when you're maybe in pain, when you're in fear, what's the first thing that you pray for? Let me, let me, let me, let me just reword it differently. Are your current prayers, are they trying to change your world, or are they trying to change the world? Can't if you camp there, it might mess with you. Are your current prayers changing your world or the world? We're just unpacking scripture. We're looking at how they prayed in the midst of persecution, in the midst of pain. And it's actually guys like Peter and John that are heroes because of their boldness and the way that they prayed. They're known as actually the heroes of the early church Because they prayed this way and they pushed the gospel forward because they just so believed and had a deep conviction that, you know what, it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I'm in. It doesn't matter what pain or what's going on around me. I just really believe in the gospel and I know how God wants to use me. And it just keeps going and going. And they had this boldness because they were just really early heroes of the faith. How many of you uh, you, you, have a, you have a fear of heights? You're like, man, I, I, I don't do heights. Uh, I get sketched out by them, you know. Uh, roller coasters, you don't do roller coasters. They're like, man, anything high, anything sketchy. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, it's, it's getting to fall time. We got the North Georgia Fair coming around. You kind of ride that. You get the best food, but you get the sketchiest rides. I tell you that. Like, the best rides are the ones like the screws are a little loose, you know? You're like, <laughs> you start shaking at the top and you're like, I don't, like, I'm gonna pray right now. Like, we're gonna pray <laughs> that, like, I'm not that thing where, like, the thing shoots off in the air. Uh, and how many have ever been uh, cliff jumping before you, you've gone like to, uh, uh, along the coast, you've gone cliff jumping. This happened when I was uh, in Canada, I went cliff jumping for one of the first times. Uh, and you know, you, how many of you guys are those friends that like you push, you push like your friend to like, eh, go higher, do more. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're that friend for somebody else. Like you got, like, you know, you're like, I'm not, I'm that person. Like, uh, we, we start cliff jumping on this coast in Canada. And I get to the, the edge, you know, you start jumping off like the 10 foot, uh, how many people we got in the room that like when you step into water, you like, you like step in, you know, you go like ankle deep and then you go knee deep and then you go waist deep, you know, how many of guys are that people, like you slowly get in, you're like, hey man, I'm, give me a half hour at least, like don't, don't pressure me, don't push me, don't do nothing. How many people, like, you're jumping in, you're cannonball, you're like, all right, my cannonball people, okay. So we get to the top of this, uh, of, of this cliff, and we're starting, like, kind of, you know, shorter, 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 shorter. Then you get to a peak where it's, like, it's kind of uncomfortable. Like, you get to the, to the top, and have you, like, ran off a dock, or you ran off, like, a little cliff jumping, you get to the top, and you kind of, like, did, like, like, the little step, you know? And, like, you, you were going to do it, but then you, like, kind of stopped, and you do, like, a little leg shake. Well, we got to the, you know, now it's, like, getting, it's, like, okay, you know what? 30 feet's comfortable. 40 feet, you're, like, sure. 50 feet, you're, like, ah! <laughs> Like, I don't know, you know, like uh, we didn't really test this. Like, I don't know if there's like, I'm just straight up going to like hit a stick and uh, my life's over or uh, what's going to happen. And so I'm starting to kind of run off the the, the cliff and uh, it's like the thing inside of you, like this, like this fear thing inside of you, like won't your brain won't let you do it. And you get to the the edge of the cliff and you start running up and then you're like, well, I'm already committed, but I don't want to. And so now like you kind of, you jumped off the cliff, but you didn't want to, you wanted to stay there. And so the whole way down, you're like, For, like, 50 feet, you're like, it's so awkward. You're like, is that a bird who got shot? Like, what are you, like, Uh, and so the whole way down, I'm like, oh, like, I regret my life. And I just, like, oh, you know, like, when someone smacks the water, oh, smack the water. Like, I mean, it was just uncomfortable, like, just red all up and down the side. And then you start, like, it's like the swim of shame. It's just, like, you know, you're, like, swimming. Everyone's, like, looking at you, like, oh. They start looking at you like, all right, man, that sucks, dude. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm, like, ah, nah, nah, nah. Like, I'm like mocking them like while I'm swimming. <laughs> and I'm like, man, there just has to be a better strategy than just to like, man, it's the whole thing when people are like, hey, just do, don't think, just do it. Has anyone ever told you that? They're like, hey, just do, don't think, just do it. <laughs> that was the whole mantra. Like when, when I started to get higher and higher and clip jump, like, man, just don't think, just do it. I'm like, dude, there's got to be a better strategy than that. <laughs> There's got to be a better strategy than, than, than just like, I got to muster up courage. <laughs> I just got to, man, don't think, just do. When it comes to being bold, when it comes to being, man, really in essence, I want to be fearless. It's not just just, just do, don't think mentality. It's not just trying to about muster up courage within yourself. It's not trying to get more motivated and you're trying to like intrinsically do it on your own. But I kind of want to lay out, maybe it's just five quick things of what it means to really, how do I become bold? And applying these things to your life helps you walk in boldness. Let me go with the first one. A little long, but let me camp here. Number one, have a deep belief that God has a sovereign plan in the midst of your fear and pain. Have a deep belief that God has a sovereign plan in the midst of your fear and pain. Let's just go back in that passage that we just read. Acts 4, verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. This is their first response when they just, they heard about this news. They know what's going on around them. They know, hey, we're just starting out as this whole church thing. We're trying to really become this gospel movement. And they knew that, hey, God was above it all. They knew that, that what was true about God and they didn't, even though everything around them proved to feel like, man, God's not there. They chose to believe and say in prayer, hey, oh, sovereign God. And in verse 28, it goes on to say this. They did what your power and will had decided before it should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God already knew. God is sovereign he knew this situation was going to happen he knew this moment was going to happen and God is either the author or he allows everything to happen and there's some things maybe in your life that you just feel like man this doesn't make sense why am I suffering why is this where I'm at Why is this the stage of life that I'm in? Why is God not answering prayer? Why is God not showing up? Why is God not doing the things that I thought he would do? And I'm sure all those things would just feel as real today as they did then, and yet they still chose to pray anyway. They still chose to believe that, you know what? I think God can maybe use this season. It's a really popular verse. Let me go over this in Psalm 46. How many of you have heard this verse before? Psalm 46, 10, you know this verse? He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See, this verse really rings true when you camp inside this, when it's actually the most painful spots of your life. When it's difficult. Maybe when you're in fear. You don't know how to be bold in your workplace. You don't know how to share your faith. You don't know if you want to have a conviction about what you believe. You don't, you don't maybe know where you're at. But it's saying, hey, you are God and you will be exalted. Your name will be exalted in the nations. And somehow, whatever I'm in, somehow this problem, whatever I'm enduring, whatever I'm going through, somehow you're going to use it for your agenda. And maybe marriage didn't start out the way that you wanted it to. Maybe your job didn't start out the way it wanted it to. Maybe school this year didn't start out the way that she wanted it to. Maybe wedding planning isn't going the way that she wanted it to. Maybe you're in a spot in your life and you're like, dude, this is just not going the way that I thought it would. This is not going the way that I I really believe that I thought God would orchestrate it by now. And in every season, we have to come back to have a deep belief that God has a sovereign plan in the midst of your fear and your pain. That wherever you're at in your journey, God has a sovereign plan for whatever situation that you're in. Let's move along. Second thing, have a deep understanding of God's word. How many of you at every point in time you said, I wish I knew scripture more? How many of you have ever said, like, I wish I memorized scripture more. I wish I knew more about God's word. We've all been in, in those seasons. of, uh, And I think the second point really rings true. When we have a deep understanding of God's word, we go deeper about what we know about who God already says about himself. And when we have a deep understanding of God's word, we become more rooted in not what we believe, but it affects our prayer life. See, how we prepare really matters. How many of you guys are football fans in the room? You're like, man, you love football. Football's back. Come on. Let's go. Let's go, dogs. Come on. Let's go. I was, I was waiting for the barks. I was waiting for it. Uh, it was, the, it was the weirdest thing when I came down to draw. I didn't know we did that, you know. I was like going through Athens. I, row, 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 and I was like, okay, uh, we don't do that in Wisconsin. We're not even good at football. Uh, that's why we just you know skate around on hockey and throw snow at each other. Um, and uh, I know like I, I'm really big into fantasy football. How many of you guys play fantasy football in the room? You're like, dude, uh, best of luck to you. Let's have another depressing season. Amen. We'll start a support group. Uh and, uh, and this, I'm really big into fantasy. We just, I started to get more into it over the past couple of years. Uh, and, and one of my, uh, I mean, not my favorite quarterback, but I, just, I love to kind of study a little bit about who he is, Peyton Manning. If uh, any got Colts fans, Denver Broncos fans-ish in the house. Uh, what he would do literally every single week, uh, there's this big article about there's a, the Arizona Cardinals, their quarterback, Kyler Murray, doesn't really spend a lot of time preparing. Doesn't spend a lot of time preparing for film and looking at what other teams are doing. And he's like, dude, I don't care. Like, I'm good. It doesn't matter. Uh, and, and what Peyton Manning would do, he'd spend 20 hours a week of prep time just looking at film, watching every team and how they would play against every other team. He would watch every single move. He'd watch every snap, every audible, every little, every little detail he would watch on film and spend 20 hours a week in prep. The indie star literally just wrote an article about it. It said he dove into it. Payton goes on to say, I got to watch every game the other teams played, every snap they made, every practice clip uh, from your week of practice, every game that your guys have played against similar defense that they're playing, every single third down situation broke up in there, every red zone, every first down. He literally paid attention to every single detail. The way he prepared was almost just so anal because he was like, I I, I really believe how I prepare is going to affect how I play. How I prepare is going to affect how I play. It matters how we prepare. When you step into spiritual battles and you don't feel like you prepared, you're probably going to lose nine times out of ten. Preparation really matters. Knowing God's word matters. Spiritual battles are inevitable, but how you prepare for them is up to you. You're going to endure spiritual battles. You're going to go through hard moments in your life. You are going to walk through some trials. It's just inevitable. Spiritual warfare is inevitable. Spiritual battles are inevitable. But how you prepare for them is up to you. And some of us, hang with me, some of us have a hard time understanding the heart and the character of God because we don't have a deep understanding about what his word already says about him. I'll say that again. (laughs) Some of us have a hard time understanding the heart and the character of God because we don't have a deep understanding about what his word already says about him. It's become a goal of like, I want to be so deeply rooted in God's word. I want to know God's word so well that when life cuts me, the only thing that I try to bleed is God's word. It might sound cheesy, but what if you knew the scripture so well that when life were to cut you, the only thing that you bled was God's word? that you had a deep understanding of God's word, that this affected how you became bold. Number three, have an admiration for how it started. Let's just go back. Have an admiration for how it started. I'm gonna skip ahead to Acts 5, verse 30. It says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, again, Peter, being pretty bold, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. See the word "leader" there in the ESV translation. It's actually kind of an unusual word, but you see this in even Hebrews two ten. It actually translates as "captain," and and the Greeks, maybe later on culture, they use that word as champion or hero. Like this is this is their way of demonstrating. Hey, this person's a champion and hero, and, and the Greeks would basically say, "Hey, these uh, these kind of like notable heroes of, of, of that have incredible power." And Peter kind of gives the same title as hero to Jesus, but a different kind of altogether put together type of hero. He's a hero who didn't use his power to just establish some political regime. He's not a uh, this hero who went to go on and and you know what? I'm just going to try and, and have everyone just, you know, bow under me and every I'm just here to kind of see power from a worldly perspective. But he's a hero who he uses power not just to defeat his enemies, but he defeated death. If Jesus not only risked his life, but he gave it so others could be saved, shouldn't maybe them who launched the gospel, and even for us today, risk our lives so other people could be saved, that we would have that same boldness. See, believing the gospel makes you generous and bold. The generosity comes from the cross, and that Jesus gave away his life for you, so that way we would give away our life for others. And boldness comes from the resurrection. And just like how God transformed Jesus' apparent uh, defeat, it feels like, man, death conquered him but he actually overcame death and it became one of the world's greatest triumphs. Let's skip ahead and go to number four. Have a generous spirit. How we become bold? Display a generous spirit. In Acts 4, 32, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And a great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were the owners of the lands or houses sold them and brought them the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles feet. And it was distributed to each as they had need they had this boldness about, hey, you know what? I'm not going to choose to live inward for myself. I'm going to choose to live outward because I know exactly what Jesus did and I know exactly the life that he lived and this is the life that Jesus invites us into. It's not to live inward, it's to live outward. How many of you guys were ever in school you had a roommate and you ever had a, a maybe just an encounter where you're like, you bought snacks in your room and somebody else like ate your snacks, ate your stuff. Like, It's like a pet peeve for you. You're like, uh, man, somebody like came and grabbed your stuff. At one point, a sibling, uh, a, a brother, a sister. You're like, they, they wore your clothes. Uh, that's kind of like, a, that's not a dude thing. I think like that's a girl thing. Like girls, you're like, you know, you walk out and you're like, why is my sister wearing my shirt? I'm, I'm upset right now. Uh, that resonated with you. You're like, yep, yep. Uh, I'm forever. Uh, I hold that against somebody. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, for you. See, when I was in college, it just, oh I man, it's a pet peeve when people would like, you know, come in and just like use my stuff or take my stuff. And it was like literally everything, like everything, It'd be like a pair of socks to, like, cologne. Like, I'd walk in my room. It smells like cologne. I was like, who who sprayed my cologne? Like, are you going on a date? Are you that desperate? Like, what are we, like, you know, what are you using my stuff for? To, like, people eating your snacks. Like, you know, it was like, man, it it didn't bother me that people even ate the snacks. It bothered me because, like, crumbs were everywhere, like, they like they left like the residue like on my desk. It was like oh here's the Pringles like cool. Let me throw all like the wrappers in the can and like uh, thanks for eating your food. Also I'm gonna trash your desk like it's such a double whammy. And like even as like a college student over time I became just so like inward. I'm like don't touch my stuff. Don't don't I don't want to give anything away to you like I don't. And over culture haven't you noticed this over the past couple of years. It feels like in the midst of a pandemic and coming out of it, everybody's always asking, like, okay, are we good or am I good? And what about my future? And what about what I'm in? And what about where I'm currently at? That, hey, maybe what it really means to become bold and how do I become bold? It's actually just choosing to live outward when the rest of culture wants to live inward. It's choosing to live outward when the rest of culture might want to live inward. You cannot be in touch with the gospel and somehow not be incredibly generous. It is almost impossible to separate the two. The gospel in itself and his message is that God was so kind and so loving and so generous that he gave his one and only son. When we know the heart of the gospel and how we become bold, we're choosing as a ministry, as a posture, as a kingdom culture that you know what? When the rest of culture wants to live for themselves, we're going to live for others. When everybody else might want to live inward, we're going to choose to live outward. let's go to the last one. Ask for fillings of the Holy Spirit. Ask for fillings of the Holy Spirit. You know that you can't do this life on your own. You know that you can't get by trying to operate on, hey, this is just the power that I can do it by, by just doing it all myself, all on my own. I can do everything about how I do my job and life and how I try to serve in other ministries at 12 Stone or how I try to pour out or what, what God's asked of me that I can just kind of do it on my own. Because you know what? I feel like I'm competent enough. I feel like I'm good enough. I feel like I have enough energy. I feel like I can do it on my own kind of logic and understanding. And you see the life of Peter. See, when you look at Acts and you look at that version of Peter, you totally forgot about that. That's the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. It's the same Peter who right before Jesus had died on the cross when the rooster crowed three times and Jesus even told Peter that you will deny me three times. That is the Peter that happened right before Jesus died and now because of what? Because of the fillings of the Holy Spirit. You see this all throughout the beginning of Acts that, that Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why they had boldness. And I want to unpack this in Acts 14. I want to Maybe just allow this verse just to kind of be the the theme of the night. It's in verse thirteen. It's now now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. How I many? It's like comforting. You're like they're uneducated. They're common people. Thank God. Like that's uh, that's me. I'm kind of dumb half the time. Like uh, I don't I don't have it all together. Like I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like uh, this verse is so comforting to me because you look at their life and you're like, dude, like they're just a bunch of just ragtag fishermen in that culture. They don't have it all together. And they just perceived that they were uneducated common men, common men and they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with who? They had been with who? Oh, you can say it louder than that. They'd been with who? They had... Recognize that they had been with Jesus. Let's not overcomplicate what God made very simple. It's just practically, hey, be with Jesus. You want to know where the power and the authority comes from? It just comes from being with Jesus. You want to know where you get the boldness to like actually share your faith with other people, it comes from Jesus. You want to know what, what, what God really has for you in your future? It comes from Jesus. You want to know how you actually live through really hard times? It comes from Jesus. That the boldness and the authority doesn't lie in what you can do. The authority lies in the name of Jesus. They recognize that they had been with Jesus, and that's all that it is. You want to know how to be bold? People have to recognize you. Man, have you been with Jesus? I hope that the rest of the culture around Gwinnett County would look at C12 like, man, they're just a bunch of unschooled, ordinary people, but you know what? They've been with Jesus. There's something special about that place. This is why we pray every single week that we ask and we pray for God's presence to come in the room. Not because we feel like, man, it's just a thing to pray, but because we're actually so desperate that we really believe that, hey, God needs to show up because if God doesn't show up, it gets really dangerous because we start living out of our understanding and our authority and our power and that's really limited and the power and the boldness comes because you've been with Jesus and I want us to stand this moment we're going to kind of conclude in worship and I want to pray over you before we jump into this song and this song is called Champion when it comes to you guys can stand in the room Um, and this is a I hope it's an imitation for you. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know, hey, this is uh, where I'm at in my life. And maybe you just feel defeated. Maybe you feel fearful. Maybe you feel like, uh, man, I don't know, uh, gosh, where, where I'm trying to get confidence from. I don't know how God wants to use me in this season. I don't know how God wants to use me in the workplace. I don't know what God has for me right now. But the boldness doesn't come from what you can do. The boldness comes from who Jesus is. The boldness lies in his name. Confidence and authority lies in his name. And maybe in this song, maybe in this point that you just got to resonate, you got to align your heart with the fact that, you know what? I'll never be able to do it on my own. I'll never be able to try and accomplish things the way that God's asked me to. I can never do it out of my own power, but you know what? I can rely on that firm foundation who I know is Jesus. So let me pray. So God, I just ask God in this room right now, God, that you would meet people right where they're at, where they feel defeated, where they feel depressed, where they feel anxious, where they maybe just feel insecure, maybe where they feel like a lack of calling about their future. They're lacking purpose in this season. They're, they're just struggling to hear your voice. They're struggling to know that this is the job that you have them in right now, that this is the season that you are calling them into. God, I pray that in this room, in this moment, that you would reinstate the fact that you are Lord and that you are Jesus. And God, our confidence can lie in your name. Our confidence lies in who you are. So God, we get our boldness from you. God, help us to be bold for your kingdom. Help us to be bold for your name. Don't you want to be bold for the kingdom? Don't you want to be bold for the name of Jesus? Maybe right in this moment, you've got to whisper your own prayer. What are the areas that you feel like fear is dominating you? Fear is such a dominating word and even when i say fear right now you can probably think of the things that you're afraid of you think of the things that you're most fearful of and in this moment just ask that you would come and receive the boldness and it's the invitation that jesus has for you and in the song you begin to worship and maybe in the song you just need people to pray over you we got a prayer team in the back love to pray over you in this song love to maybe even just pray the song over you they just love to pray and just say hey you know what we can't do it on our own this is why we come this is why we gather every single week because we can't just even rely on each other but we can push each other to come to know more of who Jesus is and so God I just pray that you come and have your way in this room we pray this in your name Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12stone. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.